Welcome to The Fruit of Passion. I'm your host, Alejandro, also known as Hanoma, online. Today's guest is Mark Hamilton. Mark is a software engineer who also happens to be a very good marathon runner. So we talked about running in general, what is considered a good time to finish a marathon, how good his own times are, and yet how far he is from world-class runners. We also talked about the mythical two-hour mark and his prediction for future world records in this discipline. So now I give you Mark Hamilton. So I'm here with Mark Hamilton, or Mark Hamill. You you can explain that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, Mark, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Uh, so Mark is a. I I will have introduced him before, like uh, in the, at the beginning of the podcast, and he's a f- runner, and he runs marathons. And we I, I want to start just before giving your background, just explain what a marathon is, because there there are some misconceptions. And but please uh, do explain what what is a marathon. Yeah. So a marathon is just a very specific distance for a running race. Uh, it is. 26 miles and like 385 yards, something silly like that. Uh, it's more generally 26.2 miles or 42.2 kilometers. 195. Okay, <laughs> um, something like that. So uh, it's historic. There's a there's a good story behind um, why that distance is that distance uh, and why it's not just like you know 40k or uh, 20 miles or something, but uh, is anything that's that distance is a marathon. So. Yeah, we, we can get to that story yeah. too. So how, how is it that you came to be a marathon runner? Can you um, tell me a little about your background? When did you start running? Were you practicing some other sport? And where was this? And, and, and when was your first marathon, for example? Yeah, so I mean, from the beginning, I was, um, I grew up in Indiana, um, kind of a suburb of Louisville, Kentucky. Um, and I was, I did a lot of sports, so I played mainly soccer. Um, and then, and that was because in schools, um, they didn't have a lot of sports until fourth grade, uh, but I could play soccer before that. So I swam, um, even before that. Uh, so I was on a swim team and then I was on soccer teams. Um, and eventually I just got into running. Um, I, I just started it competitively in the fourth grade, uh, and, so I, I'm, I'm six foot three. Um, yeah, I, I wanted yeah. to ask that. I mean, this is something that you don't see in the podcast, but yeah. you're very tall. Were you already tall at around like right. 10? So, or? so at, as a fourth grader, I was much taller than most kids. And that is a huge advantage uh, yeah, at that for time. For swimming, for running. For, for all the sports, yes. Um, so I ended up being like much better naturally than, than a lot of um, other fourth graders. So like we had our special fourth grade meet and I won it. And I was like, yeah, I'm, this, this is cool. I like this running thing. Um, and so that continued on in, in elementary school and, um, but then like towards high school, I wasn't, I, w- I wasn't a standout, uh, in high school and I, I was on the varsity team, um, and we had a really good team, uh, and that made running a lot of fun and all that, but I wasn't, uh, you know, really wasn't a standout on the team or, you know, anywhere in the state. I was like a hundredth in the state meet or something my senior year, um, I really didn't, that wasn't enough, that wasn't good enough to be like on a college team. So I stopped running um, like competitively during college. Uh, and then towards the end of college, I just picked it back up. And so I'd lost a lot of my speed. Um, high school is all 5K cross country and like two mile on the track. Uh, in college, you go up to 10K cross country. Um, so that's like six miles. Um, but having not having that huge um, speed base i just kind of gravitated towards longer distance um and i'd done a couple half marathons so i just decided um that i would just try the marathon Um, and actually the day after i graduated college um i ran my first marathon uh or yeah uh, the the day after i finished my finals um was my first marathon so that was um uh, at that point i would have been 22 i guess mm-hmm. yeah, i wanted to ask because um I've, I've heard that i don't know how accurate or scientific this is but that it's not so healthy to start running marathons 
at an early age and you can be running 5 and 10Ks when you are 15 and there are competitions, but there's basically no underage marathon competition, you know? Yeah, so actually you have to be, in most marathons, 18, um, okay. at least to run them. Um, and that's, that is a, there is a good reason behind that. Um, you can be very competitive running 5Ks in high school, only running 50 to 60 miles a week and doing more than that won't necessarily make you any faster at the 5k but it can really ruin you as a runner and as an athlete um, so trying to keep um, the mileage down for high schoolers is, is pretty important mm. um, colleges they also deal with the same thing um, and they uh, like some pro programs will only do like three meets uh, for a cross-country season and that's just like some sort of preview meet, um, and then their conference, and then um, the national championships, whatever. Um, so they, uh, the focus is to keep the mileage down, and then once you're older, uh, your body can handle endurance, and as is actually a much better at endurance and balance. So, let's uh, say, do you know what what will be the prime age for a sprinter for example and how does it compare to the prime age for a marathon runner yeah so if you look at um i mean usain bolt uh, is like the best sprinter of of recent times and he really stands out because he's won the 100 and the 200 now in two different olympics right in three. Oh, three. that's <laughs> so he yeah. kept it for way longer yeah. than so he was like the second sprinter to ever do two um and i guess yeah now he's done three uh, i don't keep up with the sprinters very much. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so most sprinters, you know, they can be great for, you know, a four year stretch. Uh, and like that's around college age, um, maybe 22 tops, right? Um, for marathoners, it is much more like in the 30s. Um, so for a sprinter, will be, it will be probably before 25 but certainly before 30 yeah and for marathon runners it's, it's usually it's after uh, 25 uh, for sure okay. um, but and that's actually in recent years come down um, mm -hmm. almost because oh, it used to be older yeah it yeah. generally was older um, recently uh, you've had some some of the East Africans um, just start right at the um, the marathon and they're not converted 10 Kers so they haven't spent mm -hmm. 10 years doing 5Ks and 10Ks, and then they do the marathon. They just jump right into marathons. Mm. Um, but you can, you also have like um, the American Meb. Uh, he won the Boston at, you know, I think 39 or 40. So um, you can still have a really good performances up until about 40, uh, and then it starts to decline. So. And uh, tell me a little about your first marathon. What was the a longest distance you've run prior to that, either in competition or in training, and what was the feeling during that first time? That I'm now trying to get to this 26 mile um, milestone, and, and how was it for you? Yeah, so like having really no one um, as a coach at that time, I was just doing it all by myself, um, and and I was taking master's courses, so my training was really just ad hoc um like oh you know i have three hours i'm gonna go do a long run today um and and so my my longest run leading up to my first marathon was 16 miles um and i thought that that would be you know, i heard offhand from like maybe one person that yeah sure if you can do 16 then you can do 26 there's no don't don't think that uh listeners out there um it, the two listeners, you mean? yeah uh no, you, um, so, so then, yeah, the, the day of the marathon came and I, you know, made it pretty easily to, to mile 16. Um, and it was having a, a great day and mile 18 came by and that was fine too. And then mile 20, um, it started, it was, it was kind of difficult. And this, this particular marathon around between miles 22 and 23, um, was a very big hill. And so I was, I was dying going into mile 22 and then I hit this fairly large hill and then the last three miles I just shuffled. Um, so I had been doing like, you know, close to six thirties or something. And so I thought I was doing amazing. Um, and then when you say six thirties, that's a mile per mile. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, 
Uh, the last three miles were like 7.30s towards 8s, and I just like barely struggled across the line. I actually had, um, it was probably in the last two miles or something, and um, this little like 100-pound girl like came flying up behind me, and she was like really enthusiastic. She was like, come on, we can break, break 245 together. And I was like, you go do it. I'm going to be back here because I can't go any faster. Did you have a plan for your time? No, I had no plan at all. I had no idea what I was going to do. I, um, so that first marathon was actually, I did a 249. Okay. Um, let let me stop you there. And and I, I I will say again, this is for the audience uh, that many of you will not be familiar with marathon times and athletics, maybe in general, 249 is a ridiculously good time for anyone, for a marathon, uh, for amateurs, especially. And even more so for a first-time runner. And I, I guess you realize that after, after you run it. But uh, we, can get, we, we will get to what times are good for, like, let's say, an Olympic marathon runner. But 2.49, anything under three hours, right, it's, right. would you say is a, it's a good time? Right. So the, kind of the, the gold standard um, for a lot of marathon runners is, is the Boston qualifier. Um, so for anyone under, for a male under 40, it's three hours, five minutes. And they might... I think they're dropping it down to three hours even because they they still get um, more more entrance than they can handle basically at that time. So um, so I didn't even know uh, I didn't know much about marathoning or anything like that. But, you know, someone had to tell me like, oh, you you ran a Boston qualifier. So you are like you've done like what most marathoners like have have been trying to do their whole lives. so you should go do the Boston Marathon. So the Boston Marathon was then my second marathon. Oh, interesting. Um, and that was, it was, it was pretty interesting, yeah. And, and so like, did you, how much did you improve from the 249 I to got, your first Boston? I got worse. Uh, got worse. <laughs> so my first Boston was uh, 2012. So 2011 um, was the record year. Uh, so there was a guy that went uh, 2.03.02. The fastest marathon ever run. Uh, it's technically not a world record because it's a point-to-point marathon uh, with an elevation overall net loss. Mm-hmm. Um, so they don't call it a, a world record. But uh, the fastest marathon ever run. One guy went 20302. Another guy went 20304. Um, and then yeah, it was super close. And then like Ryan Hall, the American, did something really close to that. Um, and just you know completely shattered the American record. Um, uh, just really incredible stuff. And then the next year I went and ran it and it was, um, 78 degrees Fahrenheit, uh, to start the race and like mid eighties by the time I finished. Um, so one of the hottest mar- Boston marathons on record. Um, and, and still I really didn't know what I was doing. I didn't have a training plan leading up to it. Um, I didn't have a nutrition plan. I didn't know what to do. I, <laughs> Uh, you just went out for a run, basically. I mean, I, d- I did a lot of specific marathon training. I did better training preparation than I were had for you doing, first one, but like a series of one mile or one k. What were you doing um, that was specific? I I did a lot more consistent runs. I did longer runs, um, okay. so I think I did like a twenty mile runner, a okay. twenty miler. Um, but the thing that I messed up in, in that one, and basically every marathon that you do, you figure out something that. You can do better next time, right? So this one was all about nutrition. Mm. Um, and so I just didn't, I don't know if I didn't, um, basically the, the biggest mistake I made was I tried something brand new on race day. Oh. And so at the race they had Gatorade Prime, you know, this, the thing that you're supposed to take before you do an athletic event or something. And so I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll give that a shot. No, the, you know, it's Gatorade. It's, it's probably good for me. Um, so I did that leading out, walking to the starting line. Um, and then... And you hadn't tried it before? I had never done anything like that. I took a, you know, a lot of Gatorade, whereas when I'm training, I don't usually take a lot of fluids. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really hot. And so at mile, at, at the 10K mark, so it was six miles in, I've got 20 miles to go. I'm already getting side stitches okay. because my i'm not used to this much sugar in in me and i so it it went downhill quickly so um so i went from a 249 uh, on that day i did a 252 and, and walked a little bit um, oh really yeah wow um it was do you remember at what point yeah actually it was at uh 
at Boston College. So you. But what in the distance? Um, that was um, between. That was close to close to mile twenty-three, I think. Um, close to the end. Yeah, it's, it's fairly close to the end. It's after the major hills that everyone talks about. Mm-hmm. Um, but what was memorable about that was like I stopped and was just like about to give up. Um, and then the guys, the Boston College kids were all standing there cheering. And what they would do is they would, anyone that stopped and was walking, they would pick out their number. And I was 1025 that year. And so they're like, 1025, 1025. And I was like, oh, that's me. I guess I got to run now. And so I started jogging again. And then they all like cheered. And I was like, okay, that's enough to keep me going. I have and to say, yeah, it does help. It does. Yeah. It does help. Yeah. Um, and, and that's the, the best part about Boston is, uh, is the, the fans. Like, do you have people all the way? Yeah, so it's a 26-mile point-to-point marathon, and you basically full crowd have crowd support the entire way. It's a little uh, strung out in the beginning because it's very rural. Like mm-hmm. you're 26 okay. miles away from Boston, so you're, oh, okay, you're um, going. You're on like a highway basically, but like okay. every single house that's on there is having like a little barbecue. Of course, um, yeah. And then you and people come out and they stand at the edge of their driveway and they cheer on the marathon as it goes by, which is pretty cool. And like, so I did it again last year and it was epically bad in the opposite direction. Extremely cold. Um, they were having a nor'easter. Uh, so just like monsoon rains. Um, and, and still people were standing at the edge of their driveways, like getting soaked and just like, yeah, all right, go marathoners. Um, and you didn't even get a finishing time last year, right? No, I, I, I only made it to mile 15. Yeah. Yeah. I already uh, we, we met at work with Mark and, and uh, I was following the race online, and I I think they they have an update every five k maybe uh, for every runner, so I think I, I saw your time at five k then ten k and at some point I think after twenty k I didn't see an update again and I, I I was wondering like okay did he lose his uh, chip or something or. Maybe he just retired. And then I realized I was also following the, the top American, Galen Rupp. Uh, you, we can talk about him. And, and he also, I think, retired last year. Yeah. I, he, I, I, yeah, I don't think he finished. Yeah. Maybe after yeah. 30 or 35 kilometers. Uh, so it, it wasn't, you weren't the only one. I think there were a lot of, uh, yeah, it did was, not finish. Yeah. Um, something like 2,000 people didn't finish. And, Predominantly, like a lot of the elites and and the faster runners ended up dropping out. Right. I mean, I guess for them, it's just I I will prioritize my health. Uh-huh. That that's what hit it for me. I was like, um, you can keep doing it, and maybe it you, will, yeah, you will win your category or anything. But well, that was a, yeah. I wasn't on pace for like a, a real great time. Um, I was just on pace for a a, a better time than I had done or. It, Basically, yeah, I was like, I'm not going to gain a lot by pushing myself to finish through this. And and things were like starting to really scare me. Like my vision was, um, I was just losing my vision. Like every, everything was bouncing. Okay. Um, and just, like that's busy? never, never happened to me before. Like, and, and so I was like, you know what, this is probably a good sign that I, I'm pushing myself a little too hard mm-hmm. on this day. So it's, it's fine. I'll just. Mm-hmm. I mean, may- maybe you can do that if you are, let's say, in the Olympic final, in the Olympic marathon. Maybe you can keep doing it, yeah, you know, right. because it's like a once in a lifetime, probably. Yeah. But there will be another Boston Marathon in the next year, you know. And right. And this wasn't even my first one. So um, I, I was. You also mentioned, I think you did a big jump here because you said uh, I wasn't on pace. But you were talking about like the other one seven years uh, or six years uh, before where you didn't even know what you should or shouldn't eat right before. So yeah. uh, in all this time, you became more, okay, now I want to I wanna study, I want to prepare property. Right. So I was at that you time. You have a team now. You have a coach or what is it? Um, I have a team that I run with a lot. Uh, still self-coached. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, so the jump forward to 2018 and I was shooting – for uh, like a two hour, 30 minutes mm-hmm. uh, marathon. But yeah, no, what I wanted to know is uh, how is it that you decided, you know what, after the 252, uh, I, I think you realize maybe I have the potential to improve this 249, but I, I need to know how to train. When did you start like training with more people, for example, and then yeah. putting more serious effort to improve the time? Yeah, I just uh, ended up getting a couple 
training books. Uh, so my first was Jack Daniels, um, and that has like running. Doesn't sound like a book. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> and now, ironically, I run with a guy named Evan Williams. So okay. it's uh, it's it's funny uh, bourbon jokes. Uh, yeah, so I got a, a real training plan, um, and then got you know a little more focused on what I wanted to do, and like. And, and read more about how people train specifically for marathons. Um, so I, I did a couple marathons using that uh, training book. And then after that, I, try, I found another one um, called Advanced Mar Marathoning uh, by Fitzinger. Um, and I've had a lot of success with that. And now the, the group that I run with here in Seattle, we all kind of um, go by his method. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's... Um, it's and worked well for is, me. Is it a group of how many people and all are on the same level? Yeah. Um, it's a group of probably 14 guys, um, a, a couple girls, and all of us seem to be heading towards uh, 230 marathons. Um, we have a couple guys that are decently faster than that. We have guys that will run with us who have actually run in the Olympic trials. Um, so they're, they're vastly better than us. Like two seven, one guy's a two seventeen marathoner. Um, but that's, you know, it's great to have guys like that to shoot for, um, and like, you know, train with a little bit. Um, but then we're all about the same, uh, you know, improving in the same way, hmm. uh, and very close. So what was your progression, roughly speaking, uh, uh, 249, 252, uh, did you have a big jump to to, uh, to what to forty um, or what was it? Yeah, so I uh, I think like the the one after let's see, I think I did a two forty nine, two fifty two, then like a two forty six, a two forty three, a two thirty seven, and then a two thirty two um, in twenty fifteen. Uh, I didn't. And that was your best your best for three years for a while. Yeah, so I did that. Um, before I moved here to Seattle, um, and I did that in uh, Huntsville, Alabama, um, and just different climate. A, a little bit. It was a winter marathon, and it it just I had a really good day that day, um, mm -hmm. and a good competition. So I like was actually trying to race someone there at the end, the last five miles, which really helped. Mm -hmm. um, and and then so I came out here to Seattle, and and I had good marathons, but out here the marathons were much hillier. Um, and so having a good marathon here doesn't translate into a, a super fast time. Um, right. so, uh, and then I, I got injured. Um, I, I don't know if I overtrained or, or what, but I had some muscle issues after. Um, so I did the Bellingham Bay marathon. I did the Seattle marathon and those were, uh, one was in September. The next one was in November. Then I ran another marathon in Tacoma, uh, that, April and and after that I just didn't recover well and so I was trying to ramp up for more marathons and I like uh, really hurt myself and couldn't run for most of the summer of uh, 2017 I guess so this is not that you you fell or tripped this is stress probably yeah something um, I, I even I went to PTs and chiropractors and they didn't have like a specific name for it or anything it was just um, just overuse, general overuse, and and so it, uh, overtraining, like not enough recovery, that sort of thing. So uh, that's what you have to balance now. Um, you know, being um, that's what all athletes have to balance, right? Like, you can't just keep training as hard as you can all day, every day. You will eventually. Uh, you have to stop, right? You have to recover and then start again. So. Um, yeah. So let, let's uh, talk a little about this 2.30. You already mentioned that, let's say, three hours, and I, I, I also had this impression before. Three hours is a, the milestone level for a good amateur runner. This is already very good. Uh, 2.30, you're already separating yourself from, from that group. And even though it's really good, you were saying... Uh, like for an Olympic trial here in the U.S., you would need to do probably less than 220, right? And even if you do, let's say, 217, you might not qualify. And even if you do qualify, that gets you nowhere, like in the in the Olympics, for example. So 
what are the next milestones, next best times that, that one should target considering, let's say, best times in the world? What, what are the next big times for world-level marathon runners? Right. Yeah. Um, so for me personally, I don't see myself as like a super great marathoner. Um, if you compare me to an average marathoner, yes, I am faster. But the, the reality is I am almost 30 minutes behind world record pace for a 26 mile race. So, um, like guys in the Olympics do five K's during the, the marathon faster than I've ever gone, like a minute faster for a five K than I've ever gone. And that's just the reality. Like I, that's for me, that's impossible. Like, uh, it just won't happen. And that's mainly because I am a lot taller. Um, I just, I have a lot more weight than, you know, a, five foot four, uh, 105 pounds Kenyan, right? That's, um, at the end of the day, it's physics, but I'm, I'm extremely happy with what I've been able to do. So yeah, the next milestones, um, 219 is the Olympic trials qualifier. Um, but by the way, also you are not a professional runner. We, we should mention this, right? You, right. you are a, an engineer, you have a well, full-time day job. I have, I have won money in races before that, so, oh, so, so you can technically with some definition you could say you're a professional professional runner. sure but yeah but it's not let's uh, change professional for, for full-time yeah it is not a full-time job it it requires a lot of time like a full-time job but it is um that yeah there's not your main occupation right. so there are guys um here in seattle they work for brooks um and they'll just work in the brooks the main brooks store here in seattle but they're um, they're sponsored they're sponsored so uh, all of their like training supplements and all that, um, they get massages, like all right. they get lots of stuff paid for, um, that, you know, obviously an average person doesn't get, um, and they're very good. Running in general is not too expensive, I guess. It is. Yeah. For, um, and that's kind of originally probably why, uh, my parents pushed me towards it. It was like, instead of swimming or yeah, instead of swimming <laughs> or soccer or, you know, anything like that, it was just like, Oh, you know, we can, you know, here's, here's a pair of shoes. Right. Yeah. Um, and even as like a fourth grader or something, I didn't have special shoes. I just, mm -hmm. I, I wore my tennis shoes. Right. Mm -hmm. And it was like the, the school gave me a uniform. I <laughs> ran, there's no money in there. Like it's just, just getting me to the meat. Right. And then after that it was it, now I'm paying for shoes and stuff. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah. I'm guessing you have to change them fairly often, for example. Uh, yeah. So that's about every 500 miles, which mm -hmm. sounds like a lot until you do a hundred miles a week and then you're, you're changing your so shoes every month, every month. So yeah, you're going through a hundred dollars of shoes a month sometimes. Okay. So, um, <laughs> so it can get a little expensive by that. Uh, sure. But it's, but, uh, I mean, Every person who has a hobby or a passion will be willing to spend that money, you know, in supplies, materials. Yeah. And in your case, apart from shoes, what else is there? Nutrition, socks. What what is it that that you have to? Um, yeah. What kind of supplies do you have to get? Um, so yeah, making sure that you eat the right stuff um, that can can be expensive. I. Um, I mean, I eat a lot of normal foods, but also, I mean, just like fruits and vegetables, right? And I eat a lot more than the average person. Um, do, but, uh, do, do you know you measure your calories? I, um, I mean, like now that I'm doing 100 mile weeks, it's probably 4,000 to 4,500 calories a day. Um, so, and that has to be like pretty high quality um, calories too. It yeah, uh, this is you, not five guys calories. Right, right. Um, but I'm not doing like anything crazy, like, um, not the Phelps diet. Yeah. I don't know. Um, not like super organic or, oh, okay. or vegan or anything like that. It's just, you know, get lots of fruits and vegetables, get lots of nuts, um, lean meat, uh, a little bit of dairy and, um, and that's usually uh, a good mix. So, uh, nutrition. Yeah. Um, the other expenses are like, uh, entries into races. Um, so usually I, I try to find anything where they'll, they'll look at a time that I've run and they'll give me a, a free entry. So like for, uh, the Vancouver marathon that's coming up, I, I said, you know, I've done a two hour 30 and 31 second marathon. They said, great, just like come do our race. We'd love to have you. Hmm. Uh, so you they, still have to 
get there. I have to get there and I have to pay for hotels or, or whatever my accommodations. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, I'm saving a hundred bucks on, um, or in this case, probably like 120 on entry fees. So that's, that's oh. really good. Yeah. Um, so qu- question, yeah. um, Vancouver is a two hour drive from Seattle, but let's say you go to Boston, you've been uh, a few times, you go to a marathon that is, uh, you have to take a plane, for example, how important is it for you to arrive there a day or two days or even more days before? Yeah, it's, um, it can really like throw you off to, to just try to wing it and like do a, I mean, technically you could do, I guess, a red eye to Boston and then like, I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, you'd want, so like the last one that I did in, in last year, um, we got, we did a red eye to, to New York and actually stayed in New York for three days with our friends just to help get accustomed to the time change and yeah. all that. I so, mean, marathons are usually early, yeah. the, the start, right? let's say a seven or eight yeah, in the uh, morning. Boston uh, marathons at 10 a.m. Okay. It's a little later. It's not that early yeah. because I was wondering if you fly the day before, you will have the three hour difference, you know, in your body. And yeah, yeah, you definitely, that's, that's one of the reasons I, um, I think I said, like, I don't want to do Boston again, uh, in the near future a lot for that reason. It's a, it's a huge time commitment. And then things like a cross country flight and then bad weather can totally mess you up. So what are the other big ones that you might want to do here in the country or, or abroad? Oh, um, so I've done a couple of the, the world marathon majors, which are Boston and Chicago. Those are the two I've done. At some point, I probably want to do New, New York. York. Um, and LA? LA isn't... Uh, I think the other ones are London. Oh, not... Yeah, yeah the, you, the majors I are I think you're, yeah, you're talking like the Ivy League of marathons. Yeah. Uh, what's the name? They have a name, right? Uh, the World Marathon Majors. World, yeah, yeah, the Marathon so, Majors. Um, the other ones are London and Berlin and Tokyo. Mm-hmm. Um, so any of those, you know, would be pretty cool. Um, and like having a vacation that kind of is of around... Course. A marathon is is kind of. A, I mean, if you're going to Europe or, or or Japan, you definitely don't want to get there a day or two before, right? Yeah, um, it's it, maybe when I get older, that'll be like a, a great thing to do. Um, focusing on like performance and stuff, it's it's more important to to find a yeah closer like a a, a marathon that keeps makes me more comfortable, basically. So you're still uh, how how old are you? I am now 31. 31. So you're still in that age where there's some some kind of all competitor category, right? Um, yeah. So most well, like or elite. Are you so Boston has like a 40 and under, basically 18 to 40 is um, their, yeah, but 18 and 40. It's... Yeah. Uh, other marathons they'll break it down, so oh, it'll, okay. it'll be like That's eight, nice. yeah, 18 to 25, and then 25 to 30 every five years or whatever. So those um, the they call that like uh, the, I don't know, age group. Yeah. Um, so some some people call would call me an age grouper because I'm trying to win my age group or something like that. Um, I also happen to be trying to win the the marathon, but that's you know if you win the thirty to thirty five, you probably are also winning the marathon. So, um, yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, and uh, going back to the question now, how does it compare your two thirty? Or your the guy from your team who who can do like two seventeen, um, even two seventeen. How hard is it to go to two ten or two five? Which are times that might get you in the podium of one of these really really big ones? Yeah, um, yeah, you have to go probably under two ten um, to do yeah to win a super like. Uh, so like the, the world marathon majors, like I said, those are um, basically the world championship of marathons. And so they have six of them. And I think you have to do three one year and then three the next. And so it's um, big, huge competition. And, and these guys that are winning it are getting like really huge shoe deals out of it or lots of money from shoes, shoe companies. Um, but yeah, to, to win any of those, um, that's any like... Berlin is where they set the world record, and the guy went 201, 39 seconds, uh, Kipchoge. And, and that's you know, mind-boggling. Like two hours is the, um, 
the two hour barrier is kind of like the 21st century version of the four minute mile. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people are saying like, oh, it's impossible, but yet like yeah, the times can, are getting closer can you, and closer. Uh, explain so. briefly what is the four minute mile and right. why was it used to be like this legendary impossible thing and now it's kind of normal? Right. Yeah. Um, so like, actually, I don't know the, the actual time frame. I, was it 40s, 1940s or 19, I think maybe 1950s thereabouts um these guys were like trying to break the four minute mile so um for some reason these guys you're talking at the top runners yeah the best and and at this point running is mainly amateur there's no uh these guys aren't sponsored they're not they might run the olympics but like roger bannister is actually like a medical student uh, while he's trying to do this and um and so the it just happens that there are these these correlations between a distance and a time. Um, like there isn't one for the fifteen hundred, like because it would be like I don't know three twenty or something, and so a three twenty, fifteen hundred or three forty, whatever it is. I mean, the, the mile has to. The, yeah. the, it's almost almost equivalent to four laps to the to the track, right? right. To a four hundred meter track. Yeah, it's sixteen hundred nine meters. Right. So, so it's four uh, laps plus the nine meters. Yeah, but which is which makes you calculate one minute a lap, and I have to keep that for four laps. Yeah, um, and so yeah, when people were doing the four minute mile, they were running on yard tracks, the, the four forty yard tracks. Okay. So it was exactly four laps, um, but they would they would get closer and closer, and you know the pundits would say like, no, it's impossible. You will die. Your your heart will explode. Um, like it's just impossible, and that's why no one's ever done it, right? And then. Um, Roger Bannister uh, and and other guys all around the world were trying to break this barrier, and he finally did it. He was the first one to do it, and it was this watershed moment. Like he did it, and then like a month later, someone else did, and then a month later, someone else did, and mm-hmm. and for the most part, like it's amazing to think about like what he was, how he did it. Um, he was running on a cinder track in homemade shoes. Uh, he was training on basically like medical. Uh, he, he basically made like a VO2 mask for himself mm-hmm. um, and was like experimenting on himself. Like, how can I make my VO2 max better? Uh, and when no one really knew what a VO2 max was, right? Um, and so to the fact that he did that on like, uh, given all those conditions that he would be like a four or a, you know, 350 guy today easily. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. better shoes and better tracks. I mean, if you give him better service. shoes, yeah. yeah. Um, and so like the technology got better. Um, has has gotten better since then, and like now you see like high schoolers breaking right. the four minute mile and and all that. So um, I think I've seen a lot of I've read a lot of stuff about the two hour marathon, and it should be possible, and eventually we'll get to it. It's just um, so there's a there's a two by the same guy. There's a two hours and twenty five seconds. I think it was right this experiment that they did with uh, Nike or some sponsor. And um, the, the documentary is called Break 2, right? Uh, Breaking 2, Break 2? I think so, yeah. Uh, it, uh, it basically means break the two-hour mark. They tried it with three top athletes. Uh, you've watched it. It's on YouTube. Like for people, if you, I can put the link in the description. And so this guy almost did two hours, but in conditions that are not that don't count as a record, right? Yeah, it was, yeah, it, it was an interesting concept uh, yeah. just to basically prove that, yes, a human that the, being the can The body do it. can do it. Yeah. It just, you, you just have to have the right conditions, meaning probably either some pacers or some really tough competition that will make you, like, that will push you. Yeah. Um, also, I think nutrition is important because in, in marathons, valid for, uh, like, international competitions, you can only have... Uh, drinks every 5k or so or something like that I, I don't know what the rules are but yeah they um, I think the first one is a 10k and then every five I I'm, I okay. don't remember exactly but it's something like that it's not free it's not at, at any point right yeah and so yeah he had like support the whole way like some guy on a right. bicycle was like what do you want and here you go right. and um and yeah he had and he also had fresh team. fresh pacer fresh team. pacers yeah um, and then he ran on. Sorry, can you explain again for for the people who are not familiar? What what are pacers? Yeah, so I mean, 
you might see like in a track meet, um, especially uh, where they're trying to go for like really fast times. Um, you'll have a guy that's going to run three quarters of the race or half the race. And his whole job is to run up in the front and like break the wind for everyone else because wind resistance is um, kind of the bounding factor at that at, speed. At that speed. Is, yeah. Um, so to have a guy that's going to go like push himself way harder than everyone else, um, uh, that's that's what a pacer is. And so you can technically technically you could have a pacer in a marathon, but it's just kind of a weird concept because. Um, to have someone push themselves that hard for, say, like half of the race, like you have to be pretty good. Um, and and I'm not I'm not sure if any if that really happens in, in many marathons. Basically, what happens in any I've huge seen it marathon in five Ks and ten Ks, for example. Yeah. In the Olympics. Oh, so it doesn't happen in the, in the Olympics. Um, like there's no one getting paid to run. No, uh, not so, paid. Right. Okay. So you are so, talking and, about f like formal pacers, but what I've seen, for example, is, uh, these countries who, uh, th that might have two or three guys in the finals, they know which one is the best and they put the other two to be pacers, right? Mm -hmm. Like Ethiopia, for example, has done it for, I don't know, Bekele in the 10 K in the past. And, 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 uh, I don't know who else, like some Morocco runner. I think I've seen it a few times. They they run faster to help their teammate. Yeah. So the Olympics makes, if you don't have pacers in the Olympics, um, it, it makes for a really weird race um, because like nobody wants to lead, right? <laughs> it's like, no, so no it's you slow, go, it's you slower. go. So they, um, yeah, it was always just like, you know, a very, very, slow two mile for the for the 5k which is a three mile race uh, essentially it would be two very slow miles mm -hmm. and then an all-out sub four <laughs> mile and that's just a weird race right and by really slow i mean like four tens right so yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. um but so in the marathon um there just generally aren't pacers there's usually a lead pack that just kind of shifts around and, and no one leads for a very long amount of time but to have people jump up in front and like lead uh being paid to lead uh, and then what they did in in the two hours you know break two uh documentary was these guys would run for like one lap around this uh they were running around the racetrack that was completely flat um and so there were three teams of pacers and so um you just got a fresh pacer every couple right. and so the, like the pacers were never gonna get tired and so that's or, the main difference, I, I guess, with a, with a real marathon like yeah, for you, competition. Right, you just wouldn't have that. You don't get fresh pacers. Yeah, yeah you're not going to have some guy, you know, run at sub two pace for 23 miles or right. something, and then just fall off and be like, "All right, now you go get the world record." Like, if you can do that, you're going to. You are probably you're, in you're the running for the record. Probably ought to be doing it, yeah. right? So, um, so that's more of it. So, given that it is possible, I guess your point was that. In the near future, we might be seeing an explosion, quote unquote, of some guys breaking, maybe not two hours, but again, two hours and one or, or around yeah. around that time. Yeah, I think. I mean, uh, yeah, uh, I don't know if explosion is the right word, but yeah, I think once it happens, it'll happen more often. I mean, if, even to have a couple of guys who do it, I think would be an explosion considering that yeah. the right. the general opinion is it's impossible. Right. Just like the four minute mile was. Right. And that's, it's funny. Like the, um, you hear some of the same, uh, some of the same comments around the, uh, the two hour barrier. Like, yeah, no, your, your heart will explode and you will die. Like, no, okay. <laughs> oh, but it didn't happen at 201. So it's right. really just, just you know a couple seconds faster yeah i mean it didn't happen happened. in berlin and it didn't happen for the documentary and I, i'm guessing for the documentary they did have some measurements right after the race probably right so they studied the guy they 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 probably did like whatever heart rate and and blood some lactate i don't know what what they did but i'm pretty sure they they studied the yeah like yeah, his they, response they, his body's response. yeah that was so nike put that on and their their big thing was to like you know, bring a lot of data and analytics to it. And so, yeah, they were monitoring, um, like during his training and stuff, they were monitoring his, his blood oxygen levels and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. That I think that's how they also, they ended up bringing a, the guy who is the world record for half marathon. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. And his best marathon was nowhere close to two hours, and nowhere nowhere close to even a a, a winning time for an Olympic uh, marathon. But their guess, given the data, was that this guy could do it. Yeah. And I think he improved his best time by like three minutes, which is crazy at that you know at that level. Right. <laughs> Improving by a minute or two minutes is just a uh, a great achievement so i think he did it for like three minutes he was still far but he's he also has the the potential um be, before before we close um i i wanted to ask you about uh galen rupp be, because mm -hmm. you again we were talking about being professionals or full-time um here's a guy who is surprisingly unlike the other big marathon runners in the world like the guys who are winning the big ones are all full-time runners and they 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 train all day. They, they maybe they have some other commitments, but not a full time job. And here's a guy who's a professor, right, in some university. Uh, I don't know. You know his background, or I, I don't. Not he's a statistics yeah. professor, yeah. and I understand that he has used what he knows from statistics to uh, guide his training. You know, with with data, basically. Yeah. So he's well, been. He's using uh, some some scientific approach to to his yeah. training. Yeah, he and his coach are, uh, um, and I I'm totally blanking on the coach's name. Um, it's a very Alberto Salazar. There it is. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, very famous um, Boston Marathon winner, and mm -hmm. uh, and now he's coaching a lot of guys that are doing really good things. Um, and he's some people would say he's pushing the bounds of. Um, <laughs> what's legal in the in the sport in what sense um it, he's he said some things and like pushed some things kind of close to the edge we'll say um but so so for example you're not talking like this is not russia and drugs or no um but he so some of his athletes have this weird disease where you get to have this certain regimen um uh that isn't legal but because they have this disease they are oh, they okay, okay. able to to get these drugs. Okay. So, so he's not breaking the rules, but it's just a little bit weird, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah it's, but, I've seen that in tennis players and yeah. cyclists. You know, when they have like hair loss or some other yeah. asthma, and yeah, so or they it, claim to have had right. Asthma. And and like he he has this like kind of bad quote that was like, "We will use science to beat the East Africans." And it's like, um, but not not like doping, right? Not doping science, right? We will just use like statistics right yeah so um but yeah galen rupp has been like the best american um and for a while now like he's um uh he's done well at the olympics uh yeah medaled at the olympics right yeah, yeah. And first guy in a long time uh, since i think uh berlin in 72 or something like that so um pretty amazing for um for an American to do that in these days. So. Mm -hmm. so how realistically, how far are the American runners from from the top uh, East African runners? Well, I mean, I think that shows like not very far. Um, I think him. He, but yeah, how about the others? The others, it's yeah, it's it's Galen Rupp and then everyone else. And but others. Okay. I think I think again, kind of in the same sense that you know. That someone someone will break two hours and then more people will do it. Like Galen Rupp has kind of shown that yes, it's very possible for um, just you know a really really good runner to train specifically for the marathon can do very well. And so I think you'll you'll see more people like think about doing that because um, he he ran he was very good in college and then went basically right into marathoning, mm -hmm. and that's what a lot of Americans don't do is like they're very good in college and then they do they focus on those same distances this 5k and the 10k for a while until they can't keep up the speed and then they go to marathon um so if you yeah it, it might be that people will change their minds and and train specifically for marathons so mark two short questions before we close uh one of them is what is the mark hamill joke oh yeah so uh luke skywalker uh is the actor is mark hamill uh so i'm mark hamilton so a lot of people, I don't know if they confuse it or they just like, like oh, that's close enough. Um, so uh, 
it's it's been a running joke my whole life uh, and, and and so i play into it and it's it's a lot of fun it's funny when people get it um and some people just don't get it and uh then that's also funny <laughs> and the other question is um maybe the cliche question but what's what's your some piece of advice for um people wanting to get into marathon running who maybe they have done 5k 10k and they they are thinking of like i want to do this once in my life or i want to try it or even young young people who are good runners and they might want to go like for the distance and and what's what can you tell them um like one piece of advice uh it doesn't have to be yeah, one right um i mean it does it, anything is possible so uh if you put your mind to it you can do it and and that's a lot of what it takes um so if you're if you're struggling you know completing a 10k or something like just do more 10ks and like and work your way up to it don't it, obviously you can't just do a 10k and then next week do a marathon mm -hmm. it might take years but if you keep working on it it's something that you can do um and, and, and training wise like practically that just means as slowly increasing your mileage uh, in training and then pick a marathon trained towards it um, there are a lot of training programs out there find one that works for you and and the day of the it. race let's say the day that some people will run their first marathon um, what's the relevance of their mental strength uh, compared to the physical yeah um, so like your training will, will get you should um if you've done your training right you know you should be fine through uh the first 20 miles or so right and then the last six should will then be a lot of mental um and so you know uh being around the right people um having people you know cheer you on those last six miles is very important um and and just you know making sure that you get to that point in a state where you are still positive. Um, for me, it almost is like turning my mind off for the first 10, 20 miles mm -hmm. and just kind of cruising through them because I know I need to focus on that last bit. So um, just uh, yeah, keep a positive mindset at all times and, and make sure that you have the tools around you that will help you. And with that. what are your next uh, marathons? Uh, I This year I'm targeting uh, Vancouver on uh, May 5th and uh, the next one I think will be the California International Marathon and that's in December I might do one somewhere in between there where's that where in California uh, Sacramento okay yeah it's a it's a really big um, it's a really big marathon for Olympic trials qualifiers I won't be going for that time but there are just that many people running really fast times so that it's I think that'll be a lot of fun for me and, and really helpful so potential for breaking your personal best yeah yeah okay yeah. that's what i'll be shooting for right wish you the best of luck there right, um, thank you. although you don't need well you do need luck yeah. for the weather mostly yeah <laughs> the rest is just training okay thank you mark thank you alejandro if you enjoyed this conversation make sure to visit hanoma.info slash podcast for more episodes that's J-A-N-O-M-A -A forward slash podcast. You can also find it in iTunes or Stitcher. Thank you for listening and until next time.